0: Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Play On Words podcast. It's Miss Beth, and today we are talking about letter reversals, Um, specifically understanding them, what's developmentally appropriate, um, what's a warning sign, why they happen, and um, how to support your child. So let's dive right in, shall we? Um, so I could not jump into this topic without covering the importance of the foundational reading skills. So we know that the foundational reading skills that often, well, not to anybody here on this podcast, but a lot of people will say, oh, that's so silly. What do I need to be? focusing on with my baby or toddler. They're not anywhere near learning to read, but those moments, those years, those foundational literacy skills that we're going to talk about today are very important in setting the stage for understanding proper letter formation and how to correct a letter reversal. So early literacy skills are crucial for a child's overall development, not just their literacy development, but their overall development and future academic success for the rest of their time in school. Um, The foundation for learning comes from these early literacy skills. So um, their understanding of every subject, communication and academic success all come from these early literacy skills that we're gonna talk about. Literacy skills enable effective communication because being able to read, write and comprehend texts allows children to express themselves clearly, share ideas and understand what others are expressing as well. Of course, academic success, um, strong early literacy skills are almost identically linked to all academic success. Uh, That does not mean learning to read early. Strong early literacy skills are linked to academic success, not learning to read early. I want to make sure that that point is heard the right way. Children who start school with a strong foundation in reading and writing um, are more likely to excel in all subjects. Again, that doesn't mean being the best reader in the class. That means having the strong foundation. So that means think about building a tower, maybe a a real tower or like with your child's blocks. A strong foundation means brick by brick laying this long horizontal line and then building up. When we jump ahead and skip early literacy skills to just kind of like be like, Oh, look, they're an early reader. We're often building up on one brick and we find tons of gaps in the foundation. So that is what we mean by strong, strong foundation. Um, Independence, literacy skills foster independence. Children who can read and write can explore the whole world. They can learn independently and they can access information without relying on us to tell them. It's helpful for critical thinking. Reading and comprehending texts help develop those really important critical thinking skills that you might know some adults who still struggle with critical thinking skills. I know I do. Um, We want kids to analyze um, information and draw conclusions and think about things differently. Just think about the world. Um, Literacy skills contribute to problem solving, problem solving, meaning like how do I get out of this mess or how do I ask for help? Anything that they consider a problem, their ability to solve it. Reading and being able to interpret instructions or written explanations are crucial in a lot of tasks that kids are going to face. So, just to name a few, um, but I know that you all know that, that's why you're here. But reading and storytelling also help kids understand emotions, empathy, and social interactions. reading together with your child. So remembering to like keep reading to your kids, even if they can read on their own, but reading together strengthens the parent-child bond. It strengthens then all of their attachment bonds and friends and future relationships that they make. So we know that, that those early literacy skills that we talk about on this podcast are crucial in so, so many ways. So when we talk about teaching your child the ABCs for the very first time and it feels a little silly to say there is a right and a wrong way to write a letter, those are all the things that we're talking about. These foundational skills that seem a little tedious right now have to do with all of those things and many more that your child is going to be facing For the rest of their life and needing for the rest of their life. So we know early literacy is important. That's why you're here. So let's talk more about letter reversals. Letter reversals, typically we see letter reversals with um, letters that look similarly like B and D or P and Q um, or numbers like six and nine. Um, Letter reversals are really common in young children. It is not rare to have your child Show write or read letters backwards uh, when they're learning to read. So um, preschool, kindergarten, first grade, super, super common. It's part of early literacy development. So, why is it so common? Um, Letter reversals are really common because our brain, you've heard me say this before, our brain is not wired to learn how to read. A lot of people think that our brain is wired to learn how to read because it's wired to learn how to walk and talk, but it's not wired to learn how to read. So when our brain is learning to read, it can sometimes pair with the part of our brain that um, is wired with object. Permanence. So that means that we use a part of our brain for that we use to understand object permanence to recognize and name people, objects, animals. So when we turn, let's take a chair for an example. A chair is an object. When we turn a chair upside down, it's still a chair. When it's backwards, when it's on its side, it's still a chair. A person is still a person laying down, standing up, doing a somersault. A dog is still a dog laying down or standing up. So we've paired that part of our brain that recognizes and names objects to help us identify letters. Whether or not it's a good thing, it's just something that happens. Um, And so, so that's what's happening when kids are reversing letters. They don't have a often don't have a strong enough understanding of letter and sound connection to understand that a letter is, or a symbol does not have object permanence, that these symbols do not have object permanence. Unlike other symbols that they've learned that do have object permanence, like the target logo is a great example of a symbol. That symbol is still a target logo no matter how you look at it. They're thinking that letters are symbols that have object permanence. So they're just, they're just confusing that. Um, this is why explicit, multisensory, systematic instruction is necessary. And I'm going to talk a little bit about what that means and what that looks like. But this is why kids mix up letters often. And this is why it's normal through first grade. I would say the very beginning of second grade, it's a little, it's, it's okay too. again, I don't want anybody to freak out. There are, if, if occasionally your child is mixing up letters and they're in the end of second grade, okay, not the biggest deal, but definitely don't wait and see if your child is struggling, just reach out to me. If they're in third grade and this is still happening, just reach out to me. We'll come up with a plan together on what, what assessments need to happen. Um, I promise they'll be okay. But for through first grade, this is normal. We're still understanding that letters are different than other symbols that we've learned. So how do we help our kids that are struggling? Well, we want to make sure that we... One don't freak out in these early stages. This is not a sign that your child has a reading disability. There are a lot more signs that we can look for. Um, this is not one of them. Um, typically, this is developmentally appropriate. Um, kids will will do this. This is this is how it goes. It's normal and expected. Expected in preschool. Um, it's less frequent in kindergarten and first grade. Uh, We hope that they outgrow reversals by the end of this stage, but it doesn't always happen. And it totally depends on their understanding of the literacy skills that we've taught them, their understanding of sounds that a sound is paired with a letter. And so that those two letters are different. They're not the same letter, just reversed. They're two different letters that represent two different sounds. They're in two different types of words, you know, we need to understand all of that. And that's why early literacy skills are so important here. So that's the first, you know, half. Um, we want to make sure that we explicitly teach the letters. So that means when we are teaching every letter, we are teaching that they are formed top to bottom, left to right. So when we are doing this, we'll, you'll know that, that D starts with the letter C. D does not start with a line. B starts with a line and then has the curve, but D starts with a C and curls around. Um, that's why forming of the letters is super important. One of the reasons. Um, but we wanna make sure that we're explicitly teaching the letters. This is the letter B. The sound is B, like the first sound in bat. I'm gonna write it in the air. Tall straight line, come back up to the middle and curl around. That's the letter B, the sound is B. Let's do it three more times, B, B. And we're gonna draw the line in the air and curl it around. Not in the same day, a different day, you can work on D. This is the letter D. This is what explicit instruction looks like. This is the letter D. You're gonna show a picture of the D and you're gonna say the sound is D, like the first sound in duck. And then you're gonna show how to form that letter. You start with a C, go up in the air, Pull that line down. So there's another way we can remember B and D being different is that C is inside of D. So if we're teaching all of those letters and sounds, we will have already taught the letter C when we introduce D. Not because of going in alphabetical order, because I definitely don't recommend going in alphabetical order when teaching the ABCs. But we'll know that C is inside of lowercase d and lowercase b is inside of uppercase b. So that's what we want to focus on with our formation, explicitly teaching it, and then using a multi-sensory approach. That means even writing it in the air, having your child write it in carpet, you know, if they want to like write it in a fuzzy sweater with their finger. Any of these are multi-sensory ways to learn. It does not have to be like a sand bin or shaving cream. It could be whatever you have. So that's how we want to explicitly teach the letters. That's why we have letter reversal. But one more thing that's important to, well, kind of two more things that are important to note is find motor skills and hand-eye coordination. Kids that are learning letters, like if you're teaching letters to your four-year-old, they do not have often they do not have the hand-eye coordination or the fine motor skills to write every single letter. So keep that in mind. If you're seeing letter reversals, um, do things that are age and developmentally appropriate. So that means like, maybe they're not ready to write those letters. Maybe their hands aren't strong enough yet. Maybe their hand-eye coordination isn't strong enough yet. So what will strengthen their hand-eye coordination? Scooping flour while they're baking bread with you, things like that. Um, Fine motor skills might look like rolling Play-Doh or building blocks. If you really want to practice the letters, you can roll Play-Doh to make the letters. But it's not necessarily developmentally appropriate for a four-year-old to be able to write all of these letters. So keep in mind the stage that they're at. And then also, as everything comes back to, phonological awareness. Don't push... Letter recognition too much if we know that we're lacking phonological awareness. So phonological awareness is the umbrella term over phonemic awareness, but it's kind of understanding words and sentences and language with our ears before we do it with our eyes. So making sure that we're playing tons of games and you can message me or actually I'll link in the show notes, my phonological awareness checklist for toddlers, preschoolers, kindergartners and and elementary school. But we want to make sure that we're playing games like noticing sounds that we hear Um, a really fun phonological awareness game to play. Like while you're cooking dinner is um, hide like a tiny alarm clock, or if you have like a baby or toddler, hide the noisy toy, have them find that the thing that's making noise um, this is helping us, our brain, to listen to, process, and analyze sounds in our environment, which is something that we need to be able to be readers. So this is strengthening that that part of the brain. Um, you know, count practicing counting words, practicing changing beginning sounds or ending sounds of words, um, playing with rhymes, like, you know, s- pretend to be silly and say, Simon says, touch your bed. Wait a minute. Not your bed, your head. Um, we're just drawing attention to different parts of words and and strengthening those phonological awareness skills. Phonological awareness is like, like, did you ever see my big fat fr- Greek wedding? I actually just think I saw that on Netflix the other day that there's like a sequel or maybe it just got put on. I love that movie. Saw it in theaters with my whole family. Um, and we aren't Greek, but we have a big fat family. But in that, you know, how he puts also, I might be dating myself here by this reference, but he sprays Windex on everything to heal everything, the grandpa. Phonological awareness is kind of like the Windex. You know, it's like they're like, okay, come on, is it really gonna be Windex? This is gonna cure her pimple? Is cure, gonna cure? You spoiler alert to the movie: she has like a pimple and she puts, or he has a pimple and he puts Windex on it and he's like, oh, you're in the family. Um, phonological awareness is the Windex. Please let me know if you followed that analogy, because um, not professional diagnosis, but if you did, I think that you probably have ADHD. Uh, because that was very jumpy but phonological awareness is the the thing that everyone's like come on not this it's like the most ridiculous thing and it's like I bet you it's gonna come down to phonological awareness because phonological awareness is like the everything so having strong phonological awareness is key to making sure that kids are set up for success before before they start reversing letters doesn't mean if they have strong phonological awareness that they're not going to reverse letters, but it's just an important thing to keep in mind. So, when is it a sign of concern and what's normal development? So, if we're seeing this persistently and frequently in late first grade and beyond, then yeah, let's take note of that. Let's 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 get the resources we need to help this child because they're showing us something else is going on. This is This is beyond just normal development. Um, If we're seeing other reading and writing difficulties, um, like possibly they have a hard time remembering nursery rhymes or even playing rhyming games, late talking um, problems, uh, remembering colors or naming colors quickly, you know these are not again nothing on this show is going to be a diagnosis of anything but these are things that we want to like look for oh they also had a hard time with this oh they also were really late talker oh they also do have a hard time naming other letters and colors oh they do they did have a hard time remembering nursery rhymes or even playing rhyming games those are the things we want to look for in addition to this to, to letter reversals, to, to kind of just, we're just collecting data. We're just collecting information, nothing to need to freak out about. We're just collecting information because even if your child does have a reading disability, it is not what society has made it to be. It often is connected to a higher level of intelligence. Most of like the coolest innovators and entrepreneurs, um, often have reading or learning disabilities. So just keep that in mind. If your child ever does have, um, get a diagnosis for a reading disability, um, not even just dyslexia, but any kind of learning differentiation is, it's not what, um, society says that it is. It's, it's often like a cool superpower. I always like to tell this story and then I'll let you go because I know that some of you are watering your lawns or uh, on your drive or just trying to make it to bedtime. And I'm trying to keep these 20 minutes, but um, I always think about that. So my, my storefront, I had a storefront in Chicago. I recently closed it to just go digital, which that's a story for another time because I would love to tell you about how I closed a storefront with with wait lists of hundreds of people to get in just because I had a feeling that I needed to reach more people and I was not going to be able to do that with my storefront. But, um, I, it had a drop ceiling. And if you know what I'm talking about, I am so sorry. And if you don't, you are lucky, but drop ceilings are often like those like styrofoamy things like in the dentist's office or for me in high school, I remember like in math class, Mrs. Wirtz was the teacher. And every time she turned around, we would try to throw our pencils up and get them stuck in the ceiling because drop ceilings are like horrible. <laughs> like I just, it's not, it's not cute. And I had this dream of making the cutest place ever, like that anyone ever walked into. So I was devastated that I had to have a drop ceiling. I asked like four contractors and the way the ceiling was set up, I had to have this drop ceiling just devastated. I'm like, my place will not be what I thought it will be, whatever. Well, I worked with my design, my graphic designer and she designed a ceiling and I had all of my friends, there were 492 tiles. All of my friends came over and we painted them with my brand colors and made this cool design in the ceiling. And it ended up being like the highlight of the space. People would come in and they would be like, oh my gosh, it feels like you're getting a hug because like the ceiling is like, it's like top to bottom, so special. And kids would like be like staring at it in the baby class and when they're on the floor. It was just so soothing and comforting. And it was so funny because it was the thing I was so afraid of. I thought for sure this was going to ruin my storefront. And it ended up being the most special thing about my storefront. So I always like to share that little story because – Often parents will come to me and be terrified of a diagnosis they received for their child or, you know, obviously it is so scary, but I'm here to tell you on the other side of fear is probably your child's superpower. And it's probably part of the reason that they are so special. So. I got your back. If you do need any reminders of that, I know it can be scary because it's just unknown, right? That's what happens with our kids. They get so overwhelmed and anxious, but it's just that there's just so much unknown. Anxiety comes from a lack of information. So it can feel scary, but once you have that information, you are going to realize that it's not so scary actually. Okay. I know that went off topic just a smidge, but I hope that that helps. Um, if you have any questions, please shoot me an email or a message. I'm going to link the um, a couple things in the show notes, some games and exercises to practice at home. And I am so glad that you guys are all here and listening. And it is really fun to hear your feedback. So please feel free to send me any feedback, um, it helps me like picture who I'm talking to as I keep creating episodes and send your questions. No question is too silly or anything. I love, I love answering your questions. Um, tune in next time to hear me answer a bit more of a specific question that I got this week. I'll give you a little a little teaser about it. Um, the question I got was, not really a question, but maybe a cry for help. Our four and a half year old is having performance anxiety. They are understanding a lot of things, but when we sit down together, she gets so mad if she doesn't get it right. Oh my gosh, you guys, we are jumping into this one next week and I've got a lot to share. So tune in and I promise I will have a schedule of when you can expect episodes like within a week because it's, it's, I know, a little inconsistent. It's just because I have like my hand in like 48,000 things. Um, but I love it. And if you are one of the schools that I got to work with this month, thank you. Thank you. I hope you're having a great school year. That's been my favorite thing this year is getting to work with so many teachers and so many schools and school boards and school districts. So I love getting to present and I love getting to observe your classrooms and give you little tweaks that might make your day and your student's day a lot easier and your whole school year a lot more enjoyable. So thank you for having me. Thank you for showing your principles and requesting this professional development to get brought in. And parents, thank you as always for being such um, an integral part of how, well, basically how like the United States is slowly changing the way that reading is taught so that every child can read because every child deserves to learn how to read. Thanks you guys. And I will see you next time.